And now it's time for us to discuss more of these headlines in simple keywords. Adam joining us via Zoom. Good morning, Adam. Good morning, Lita. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. The sun is like brimming on your face. It's, yeah. it's spring. <laughs> so it's certainly spring. Yeah, yeah. The days are <laughs> getting longer. The sun is rising earlier. That's right. That's right. So maybe this change is just in time for some of that spring festivities. Let's start out with our first keyword of the day. Mask-free commute. So the mask mandate on public transportations and pharmacies and open public spaces is to be lifted beginning today. Tell us the details. Right. So masks are now just a recommendation on subways, buses, uh, taxis and planes. The change comes two and a half years after the government adopted the uh, mask rule amidst the pandemic. The decision uh, also comes amid a gradual COVID-19 downtrend as well. Uh, however, though, recent polls, interestingly, have shown that 70% of respondents to them said they will continue to wear masks due to uh, health reasons. We saw when the mask mandate was lifted for indoor uh, spaces, the majority of people you could see outside were still wearing their face masks, and you can still see it uh, to this day, which is quite interesting. Possibly, maybe due to bad air quality as well, who knows? Um, and just people are just uh, still a bit weary about the uh, virus as well. Uh, the mask mandate will remain in place, though, for medical facilities, as well as general pharmacies, as well as nursing homes and other high-risk places. Pharmacies and discount stores and train stations and other public spaces will be exempt from the requirement. That's because uh, health authorities uh, deemed that those places um, were frequented mostly by people who aren't uh, quite as sick. Maybe mm. they're just popping into those places for your average uh, cough medicine, for example, rather than general pharmacies, which are near to hospitals. So oh, it's right. usually visited by people who are patients of some sort of illness or sickness. Uh, now, a complete lifting of the mandate will be decided in late April or early May. So it could be uh, soon uh, where we see uh, the mask mandate being lifted for basically everywhere. Uh, mm. And that period in late April is when the World Health Organization could vote to downgrade COVID-19 on a global level. So the virus um, itself kind of being perceived as less dangerous uh, than it was during the pandemic. All right. With that, we move on to our second keyword of the day. More provocations. So as expe expected and forewarned, North Korea continues its weapons testing. Uh, tensions on the Korean Peninsula continue to rise with more missile launches by North Korea amid the ongoing South Korea-U.S. military drills. What's the latest, Adam? Yeah, so all of this was widely expected. Uh, we mentioned several times on the segment before that during this Freedom Shield uh, exercises that are taking place, we could see North Korea conduct more weapons testing and more missile launches. It was no different yesterday. North Korea fired a short-range ballistic missile toward the East Sea uh, yesterday morning. It's yes another provocation and apparent protest over the Freedom Shield drills. Uh, the SRBM was launched from the Dongchangni area on the northwest coast. The missile flew some 800 kilometers. Now, the Dongchangni area is home to the North's key long-range rocket launch site. Uh, Seoul and Washington are conducting a comprehensive analysis on the missile's specifics. Uh, the Joint Chiefs of Staff added that uh, the Allies will carry out their combined military drills in a high inten intensity and thorough manner, so they're not being deterred by uh, North Korea's continued provocations. And following the launch uh, of that SRBM, the top nuclear envoys of South Korea, US and Japan 
condemned the latest provocation and discussed their coordinated responses over the phone. They agreed to step up consultations and coordination to build a united response against Pyongyang's provocations at the upcoming UN Security Council's meeting in New York that's slated for Monday. Now, mm. meanwhile, North Korea, um, breaking news, says it has conducted two-day drills simulating tactical nuclear counterattack. Now, state media also quoted Kim Jong-un calling for completing readiness for nuclear attack against uh, enemies as well. Does that mean we could see a possible nuclear test? We'll have to see, but it's certainly pointing to signs that that could happen uh, sometime in the near future. Uh, now, the increased provocations by the North come as a US B-1B strategic bomber returned uh, to South Korea for joint exercises. It's been just 16 days after its previous deployment. And now the deployment of that strategic bomber signals that uh, uh, the US is certainly um, willing to uh, defend South Korea at all mm. odds. And it's utilizing its most powerful, one of its most powerful uh, military assets. Now, the scale of the Freedom Shield has also been expanded in scale uh, compared to five years ago. Uh, the U.S. Marines and Navy are also in South Korea for what's known as the Sangyong, or Double Dragon, as it's translated into. Uh, it's an amphibious uh, practice. Now, that's part of some 20 field drills that are under what's known as the Warrior Shield program uh, as well. All right. So it, it seems that North Korea will stay on course with its weapons testing as the joint drill continues through this week. Uh, with that, let's move on to our coverage of the recent Seoul-Tokyo summit. This is our third keyword of the day. Summit success. So presidential office has touted President Yoon Suk-yeol's visit to Japan as a success, calling it a turning point for the improvement of bilateral relations. It's a stark contrast to how the opposition party and some demonstrators have voiced. Right. So it was quite a controversial trip to start off with, especially right. after that the whole government uh, plan for the compensation of forced labor victims. There's been a lot of controversy surrounding that. Uh, and also the agreements that were made during the summit as well led to even further controversy, especially among the opposition uh, bloc uh, and the victims as well. Uh, but the top office said uh, the summit paved the way toward normalizing and advancing future-oriented bilateral ties across all areas. It hailed the various agreements that were made, uh, including the resumption of shuttle diplomacy between uh, the leaders of the two countries. It noted that the resumption will enable uh, candid discussions on pending issues and continue active dialogue. It said the two sides will also make joint efforts for the future through the newly established Future Partnership Fund. Uh, they will also work to revive previous cooperation channels and expand cooperation to include economic security and supply chains and core technologies. At the top office said the two sides will be able to promote common interests on key issues through the creation of an economic security dialogue platform as well. Um, now, this includes uh, many deals that were made, including the um, suspension or withdrawal of uh, the Korean complaint at the World Trade Organization mm -hmm. over the export curbs by Japan on key materials, as well as a possible uh, uh, return of uh, Korea and Japan in their respective so-called whitelist right. of uh, trading partners. Now, Japanese reports also suggest Tokyo is finalizing preparations to invite President Yoon to the G7 summit in Hiroshima in May. Japan's Yomiuri Shimbun reported that the summit would include a meeting for invited countries in addition to the member countries. Now, Japan, as the host country, can invite 
uh, other countries to the gathering if they so wish. Uh, and it could be an opportunity for you to reunite with both uh, the U.S. President Joe Biden and Kashida. Now, mm. that's if Yoon's trip is realized, though. This could lead to another possible trilateral summit on the sidelines of the G7. Uh, so we'll have to see. Mm. With that, we'll move on to our fourth keyword of the day. More travel. Eased restrictions paired with warmer conditions, people are traveling more. The number of international flight passengers is rapidly rising to pre-pandemic levels and more people flying to nearby destinations, including Japan and places in Taiwan. Tell us the details. Right. So if we look at the figures, the numbers of passengers uh, traveling from Incheon and Kimpo airports to Japan from January 1st to March 16th reached 1.35 million. That's according to the hmm. uh, two airports operators. That exceeds... The total of last year, which stood at 1.29 <laughs> million. So it just goes to show that how mu- much people wanted to travel uh, uh, as soon as the airways opened up. Now, the jump comes after Tokyo allowed a visa-free travel for inbound passengers um, in October. Uh, a weak Japanese yen against the Korean one also made Japanese goods cheaper uh, as well. Uh, I was one of those people who made uh, that trip as well to <laughs> Japan. It's uh, a popular destination for many Koreans. Uh, Taiwan is also a popular destination. Mm. Uh, Taiwanese media reports uh, that Koreans took up the largest share of inbound travelers to the country uh, as soon as those um, border restrictions were eased. Now, international flights on the whole have also recovered to close to 70% of their pre-COVID-19 numbers. Now, government data shows the number of passengers on international flights stood at over 4.5 million in both January and February. Uh, the number of international air passengers is expected to continue surging in the future as the recovery of Chinese routes will pull up the figure as well. And airlines are busily expanding their routes to meet the demand Uh, that is ever-increasing at the moment. (laughs) It's also flower season as we speak. Uh, Will that increase inbound and outbound travelers locally? We'll have to wait and see. Let's move on to our final keyword of the day. Black Monday avoided. So it seems to be a hastily arranged deal, but it's meant to shore up the global banking sector. UBS agreed to buy Credit Suisse, uh, the rival essentially in a government-backed deal. What's the latest? Yeah, so the emergency rescue deal is aimed at stemming financial market panic that was unleashed by the failure of uh, two American banks earlier this month, namely the Silicon Valley Bank. Bank, uh, which made the most of the headlines. Now, Sunday evening's announcement came after a weekend of emergency talks in Switzerland between the two banks and the country's financial regulators. Uh, The Swiss National Bank said the deal was the best way to restore the confidence of financial markets and to manage risks to the economy. uh, UBS, rather, is paying three and a quarter billion dollars for Credit Suisse. Uh, That's about 60 percent less than the bank was worth when markets closed on Friday. Now, Credit Suisse shareholders were deprived of a vote on the deal and will receive one share in UBS for every 22.48 shares they own. Now, despite the low valuation the deal was achieved, um, the deal has achieved what regulators set out to do, which Mm -hmm. was securing a result before the financial markets opened on Monday. This way, they have basically averted a potential Black Monday, so a stock market shock uh, as soon as they opened for the week. Now, panicked investors um, pulled 
billions of dollars out of the long-traveled credit suites in recent days. This led to worries that the bank could become insolvent if emergency measures were not taken. Uh, it's yet another stunning event in more than a week of turmoil and alarm in the banking sector. It was especially concerning uh, because Credit Suisse is what's known as a global system mm. uh, systematically uh, important bank. That essentially means if Credit Suisse fails, it could have um, enormous ripple effects throughout right. the global economy. Uh, so just not just those two American banks, but this Credit Suisse uh, failure. Uh, could have had a lot of uh, negative repercussions, but it's a temporary fix to the issue. But right. of course, we'll have to see if it does serve a long-term solution as well. Because I just want to clarify for our listeners, uh, Credit Suisse was affected by the panic, absolutely. But its troubles, it seems to be largely of its own making. They had scandals, financial missteps, it cost them billions. But at least for now, it seems the Swiss government leaders and regulators believe the deal was the most effective way of reassuring investors worldwide. Yes. Thank you very much, Adam, for today's coverage. Happy Monday. I'll see you tomorrow. Happy Monday. See you tomorrow. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.